Hi. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. I'm Liz Wheeler. We are coming. I am sitting right now in the midst of the swamp in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Maybe you can tell by um, what the swamp does to my hair, how it makes my hair frizzy. But I know a lot of people don't like the swamp. They say Washington, D.C. is toxic. And I understand that in many ways it is. But I actually love Washington, D.C. because when I come here, I always feel this spirit of patriotism. I love flying into Washington, D.C. and seeing the Pentagon and seeing the Washington Monument and seeing the National Mall and seeing all the memorials. I love being here. I'm here uh, for the Young America's Foundation National Student Conference. It's their National College Student Conference, which is a fabulous event. There are hundreds and hundreds of students here who um, have come from all over the country to get together, to talk about their conservative values, to learn from an incredible lineup of speakers. Um, if you haven't already, you probably already know this, but you can also watch it live streaming. If you are not a college student and you're not here and you're interested, you can go to youtube.com slash YAF TV and you can watch. In fact, as I sit here filming, I'm pretty sure Senator Ted Cruz is speaking and we're in a room just off of the main ballroom. So I'm pretty sure he's speaking right now because I was in the green room with him a couple minutes ago. But there's a lot of great speakers. I'm speaking later in the week. Um, I hope that you'll tune in to that. On the way here, it was very interesting. So we I, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but in the last week or so, we've seen this increase in rhetoric coming from the public health officials, the experts about masks and about coronavirus and not just about COVID, but about monkeypox. They're trying, they're trying to do it again. They're trying to make us all scared. They're trying to tell us that we're all at risk of monkeypox and we better mask up. And I don't know if it's a direct result of that, but when I was traveling here, I do fly pretty frequently for work. And so I, I, I flew through the pandemic, except for a couple months of maternity leave. Um, and I, I've flown through all of the forced masking. And then when it became voluntary, you immediately saw that most people stopped wearing masks the day that um, the, the, the federal mask mandate was overturned by the judge in Florida. But then as it became political in the next week or so following that judge overturning that, um, you would see obviously the political divide. You'd see what you might assume to be Democrats wearing masks in airports and Republicans not. Or the divide was even more obvious depending on where the airport was located. If you were in, um, if you were in, you know, Portland, Oregon, it was a highly masked area. If you were in Texas or Alabama, I was in Alabama um, in, in, in the spring, or I guess it was the early summer, um, right after the mask mandate, you know, there was not a mask to be seen in my hometown, Cincinnati, Ohio, there was basically no masks, Florida, no masks, Washington, DC, it was pretty evenly divided based on politics. But today in the airport, the point of this whole story is today in the airport, I saw more masks than I have seen since the mask mandate, the, the requirement was lifted. And I thought to myself, huh, I wonder if this is an indication that people are falling for the fear again. If they're listening to Fauci saying, even if other people aren't wearing masks, you should wear a mask. I don't know. I, I would like to think, I would like to believe the best of human nature. I would like to think that people wouldn't fall for that again, as we've seen over the past two years, these public health officials just lie and lie and lie again. But I don't know, it was kind of striking in the airport seeing everybody um, wearing, wearing masks. So what I want to talk about today on the show is the Biden administration is trying to redefine words. Now, this sounds like a blanket statement, but what I'm talking about specifically is Biden administration officials trying to redefine the word recession. They're trying to take, it's a very standard definition of what we all understand a recession to be. It means two quarters 
of, of GDP growth that isn't growth. Two quarters where our GDP actually contracts. If you have two quarters in a row where that happens, that's what we consider to be a, an economic recession. And that's what we're probably going to face. Later this week, we will get the official numbers for whether the second quarter of 2022, whether our GDP contracted. The estimates are that it's going to have contracted by a greater percentage than even the first quarter. Um, and, and anticipating this, they're trying to get ahead of the curve with their talking points. The Biden administration is trying to redefine the word recession. They're trying to tell us that what we understand to be a recession is not actually a recession. And I want to talk about how absurd that is um, just in and of itself in this very narrow form. But then I want to zoom out a little bit and I want to talk about why when the left tries to redefine words in general, whether they're trying to redefine recession, whether they're trying to redefine speech, whether they're trying to redefine violence, whether they're trying to redefine the words man and woman, or they're trying to redefine abortion as healthcare, all these different issues and, and both policy issues, but also cultural issues where they are actively trying to redefine words, why we should not allow this, why this should be conservatives hill to die on, regardless of what you think actually of the particular policy. When the left tries to redefine a word, I want to talk about why we, why this, well, why this is our hill and should be our hill to die on. Because if you allow someone else to redefine words, then they become the arbiter of what's true or not, because there's no objective truth. And what happens when someone who is not God, of course, when someone aside from nature or God becomes the arbiter of objective truth, well, then you, you devolve into essentially tyranny and authoritarianism. Um, so that is what I want to talk about in a little more depth today. Let's, let's dig into this. All right, if there was ever a timely sponsor for what's going on in our times, then, you know, American Hartford Gold wins that prize today. Because if you're anything like me, then you are worried about this impending recession that we have. I mean, we can see that inflation is at 9.1%. This is the highest inflation in my lifetime, the highest inflation we've seen in over 40 years. And that scares me. So if you want to protect, protect your future, then I encourage you to do what I did. And that is to call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to protect your savings and your retirement your livelihood, what you and your family rely on by diversifying your portfolio into physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call and they will have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or if you prefer into your IRA or 401k. At any rate, they make it easy whichever way you choose. They are the highest rated firm in the country. They have an A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, which means thousands of satisfied clients. So here's their phone number. If you call them right now, they'll give you hundred or $1,500 of free silver on your first order. Uh, their phone number is 866-781-7499. You can write this down. It's 866-781-7499. Or if you prefer text message like me, you can text my name, Liz, L-I-Z, to 65532. Again, the phone number is 866-781-7499. Or you can text Liz to 65532. Okay, so before we get into the redefinition or the Biden administration's attempt to redefine the word recession and exactly why they're trying to do this and why we should fight back. There's, there's another example of this out that, that's 
on a much smaller scale. This is actually the smallest example that we have today, but it is no less significant to our lives and actually to our children's lives too. And you will see why in just a second. So this happened. There were medical students who were being initiated. Medical schools right now are onboarding their medical students. That happens every July. And there's initiation. I don't want to say initiation ceremonies because that sounds like it's a cult or something, which I don't know, maybe that's an apropos analogy these days. But these medical students had their initiating um, their initiating event and a professor was slated to speak to them. And this professor was not going to talk about abortion, but this professor was known to be openly pro-life, openly against abortion, openly advocate for the dignity of unborn people. And this is how these, these, these upcoming, these incoming medical students responded. They walked out just because this, this professor at their medical school is pro-life. They walked out at their white coat ceremony. This is, this is their first experience in medical school. These people are going to be future doctors. They're, we're supposed to trust them with our health. And, with, and we're supposed to defer to their advice based on this training. And she wasn't even supposed to talk. This professor wasn't even supposed to talk about abortion. It wasn't like it was a, an anti-abortion rally where pro-abortion protesters said, no, we're not going to listen to this, or you're subjecting us to something that, that we totally disagree with. And we want to make sure that our voices are heard, even though you're the one at the podium. No, she wasn't going to talk about abortion. And just because she was pro-life, this is how they reacted. And it struck me watching this that in the past two years, we have heard more than any time in my lifetime, we have heard the phrase, trust your doctor, trust the science, trust the experts. We're supposed to defer to someone else's expertise, the public health officials, or even, even your pediatrician, whether to vax your baby with the COVID vax. You're supposed to trust the doctors, but these are the doctors. Increasingly, the people that are becoming doctors in our country are people who want to abort unborn children, who want to trans kindergartners, and who make an effort to de-gun people. I don't know, there are a lot of parents listen to the show and you guys know what I'm talking about because the first time that you take your child to the pediatrician these days, and I'm talking about like two or three days after you bring your newborn baby home from the hospital and you take them to the pediatrician as your, your sort of onboarding visit, the first question they ask you is, do you have guns in the home? Why? Because the American Academy of Pediatrics forces pediatricians to ask that question because the American Academy of Pediatrics is anti-gun. They actively advocate for government to infringe on our Second Amendment rights and to ban so-called assault weapons. And so they try to instill fear into brand new, vulnerable, sleep-deprived, fearful, recovering mothers, mothers recovering from childbirth who feel so vulnerable. How do I protect and care for my child? The pediatrician tells them, well, do you have guns in the home? Well, your child might die. This is who our doctors are, but trust our doctors, they tell us. Not to mention, of course, the fact that doctors in general are puppets of big pharma because that's where they make their money. They just are looking for what to prescribe. But this, 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 this I don't want to get off on a tangent on my rant on that, but this is, this is what doctors are increasingly. And we're seeing this redefinition of words in the, medical, in the medical field as well. And it's particularly scary when we see it in the medical field because they're trying to redefine uh, the phrase women's rights to include abortion. 
There is no constitutional right to abortion or any human right, obviously, any inherent God-given right to murder your own child in in the womb. Um, but they're trying to redefine abortion to mean healthcare when actually it's the antithesis of healthcare for a doctor to perform a procedure on a person that actively harms, intentionally harms a person. They're trying to redefine the word baby to say, well, viability might be a baby, birth might be a baby. It's a fetus, meaning non-human before that. They're trying to redefine science. They're they're essentially redefining medicine. And this is this is a really big deal. This is this is not something small. This means that increasingly, as, as the students that we just saw walk out of this white coat ceremony become doctors, as they become the people that we take our children to see, that we see ourselves, that we take our parents to see, these people have ideological beliefs that are so extreme, so far out of the mainstream, so contradictory of what we hold dear and the objective truth that simply exists, whether they acknowledge it or not, that I don't know, I don't know how it's going to be married. I don't know how you're going to marry people who are pro-life and who believe in science and know that that transing a child leads that child to lifelong infertility and mental health issues and suicide. I don't know how you marry that with those of us who um who hold the values that we hold. Now, that's the smallest example today of, of the left trying to redefine words and how destructive it will be. The biggest example we have is Janet Yellen, who, and this is the recession stuff, in anticipation of the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which is going later this week, going to publish, um, is going to publish whether GDP grew and by how much or contracted and by how much later this week. Janet Yellen is trying to get ahead of the curve by uh, telling people that even if even if the GDP contracts for two quarters in a row, because it did contract last quarter, um, 1.5% is how much it contracted in the first quarter. Even if we see a contraction in the second quarter, it's not actually a recession, she says. Let me just start with this. Many businesses seem to be preparing for a recession. Should all Americans at home be preparing for what's uh, for for a recession that many people think now is likely. Well, um, look, the economy is slowing down. It last year it grew very rapidly at about five and a half percent, and that succeeded in putting people back to work who had lost their jobs during the pandemic. The labor market is now extremely strong. Um, even just during the last three months, uh, net job gains averaged 375,000. This is not an economy that's in recession, but we're in a period of transition in which growth is slowing, and that's necessary and appropriate, and um, we need to be growing at a steady and sustainable pace. So there is a slowdown, and businesses can see that. And that's appropriate, given that people now have jobs and we have a strong labor market. Wait a second. Wait a second. A period of transition. We are in a period of transition, she says. Not a recession, a period of transition. What the heck does that even mean? What are we transitioning to? A period of transition to what? This is maybe one of the scariest parts um, of the left trying to redefine the word recession because I don't think, well, certainly people like Janet Yellen are not feeling the effects of the inflation and the impending recession the way that you and I are because these elitists that implement policies that hurt us are always insulated from the, the negative repercussions. They're always insulated from the pain. That's 
Well, that's one of the hallmarks of socialism, right? That the elitists always escape the pain and the suffering and the oppression and the starvation and the death that they that they impose on other people. Janet Yellen and the Biden administration certainly aren't feeling this, but a period of transition to what is the question that we should ask? Because the answer to that will cause us even more pain. A period of transition to what? The Biden administration has given us clues. You can, you can listen to any clip, anything that's come out of Pete Buttigieg's mouth in the last two weeks gives you a very accurate idea of what the Biden administration wants, what this phrase means, a period of transition to what? They want a green economy. Now, a green economy sounds neutral. It sounds okay, let's be environmentally friendly, let's be good stewards of the environment. If that were the case, not a person among us would disagree with that, least of all conservatives. Christians, in fact, believe that God calls us to be good stewards of the environment. I believe that. You probably believe that. Conservatives in general believe that. That is not what the Biden administration means by a green economy. This is another, uh, another instance where they are redefining a term, a term that actually means something else. Um, but they want it to mean what they what they mean, what they want it to mean. And a green economy in the eyes of the left means an economy that doesn't rely on fossil fuels. It is doesn't it doesn't have gasoline powered vehicles, that people don't fly airplanes, that people maybe don't eat red meat, they eat fake meat. Um, you remember that from AOC's Green New Deal, right? She wanted to tax cow flatulence or something just absurd, even, even by AOC standards here. So a period of transition to what? What they mean is they want us to um, to be completely off, completely disconnected, completely unreliant on fossil fuels. And that in and of itself doesn't properly explain what it would be a transition to. It would basically be taking us back to pre-industrial revolution times where, where we would be reliant on coal, we would be reliant on wind and solar, which are very unreliable. We wouldn't have the petrochemicals that come from fossil fuels that are necessary for textiles, like the clothes I'm wearing, made from petrochemicals. The makeup I'm wearing, made from petrochemicals. More importantly, the food that I ate right before I came on air, that, that was was probably grown, because it wasn't fully organic, was probably grown using fertilizer and pesticide and weed killer that is from petrochemicals. And, and maybe I have a qualm with that because I try to eat organic, but like in the bigger picture around the globe, we need these petrochemicals in fertilizers and in weed killers and in pesticides so that places that have climates that can't grow crops well or that have bugs and insects that ruin the crops are actually able to grow food so that they don't starve. It's great. I'm privileged to be able to eat healthy, but it's more important to eat than to be able to be picky about eating healthy. Medicines, every medication you take relies on fossil fuel. It's made from petrochemicals. If you have surgery, the instruments and the sterilization, everything made from petrochemicals and fossil fuels. If you completely remove fossil fuels from our economy, people will die. People will regress. We'll be thrown back in the pre-industrial revolution. That's what green economy means. But the Biden administration wants to redefine that. They don't want us to understand what they mean. So they use these vague phrases. It's a period of transition. It's not a recession. But ask, a period of transition to what? And what do you mean by a green economy. So Brian Deese, who is the White House Director of the National Economic Council, was actually asked directly on CNN of all places about the definition of a recession and what we are probably facing in a couple of days if these estimates, these pre-estimates that, that estimate, by the way, that the GDP is going to contract 1.6% in the second quarter. This is what Brian Deese said. What will be comments from some saying two quarters of negative growth in a row that's a recession. 
Right, and certainly the, in terms of the technical definition, it's not a recession. The technical definition considers a much broader spectrum uh, of data points. But in practical terms, what matters to the American people is whether they have a little economic breathing room, they have more job opportunities, their wages are going up. That has been Joe Biden's focus since coming into office. He has had a view of the economy that we need to look to build from the bottom up and middle out. And what that means is that typical working class people in this country have had trouble affording things for years. He is focused on building a strong, durable economic recovery here. We have real global challenges here in the short term. We've got to navigate our way through them, but we have to do so without giving up all our economic gains. That's going to be our focus. And I think that we need to train that focus on that rather than on sort of technical debates about backward looking data. So the consumer confidence number. Oh, the technical definition, he says, as he sips from his teacup with his with his little pinky finger in the air and adjusts his, his cufflinks, just like he and all his snobby friends. The technical definition. The only people that debate a technical definition of a recession based on um, what we're facing now, which is the general the general idea that we have held for a long time about what constitutes a recession, two quarters of negative economic growth. This is, this is common sense. This is not a, a complicated economic concept. This is common knowledge, if you will. The only people that debate the technical definition are people who aren't touched by it. People who won't be hurt by inflation. People who can afford it. People who aren't going to lose their jobs. People who are still going to be able to access health care. People who are still going to be able to get the food that they want. People who probably drive around in gas-guzzling SUVs while they're telling, they're telling working-class families to pay $60,000 for an electric vehicle. And it'll be easier because gasoline is just so expensive that it, it helps you afford an electric vehicle. The technical definition. Actually, the White House, the White House was asked what the, te- what the White House's version of a recession is. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But first, you can't see him, but off camera over here, my audio engineer is sweating because we are, we're in a room just off of the main ballroom here at the YAF conference. And I don't know if you can hear these, these chants, these really loud chants of USA, USA. The energy here is not only palpable, it's, well, you can hear, you can hear it in the audio. So if that's what you hear in the background, that is what it is. It is the students so excited, so patriotic and so wonderful. And, you know, we're all enjoying it except for Robin, the audio engineer who doesn't like, doesn't like the audio being, being corrupted with these, with these noises. Okay, I like ExpressVPN because it keeps my family and my information safe when I am online. And I don't know, if you're anything like me, then you find it extremely creepy. Um, the idea that every website that you visit and everything that you search in your, in your browser or your search engine is being captured by your internet service provider. And then they're taking your information, all these websites and your, your search terms, and they're selling it to advertisers who use that information, your own information, to target you with ads. I find this insanely creepy, which is why I'm very grateful for ExpressVPN, because um, when you use a VPN server, what it does is it reroutes your, your internet activity and all the interwebs, and it, it causes your internet service provider to not be able to track you. So your privacy is protected and your safety is ensured. ExpressVPN is the best because it's easy to use. It's really quick. There's no buffering involved here. It's very, very easy. On my phone, for example, I hit one button and I am protected. On, on our internet router at work, 
Um, you can you can put this on your router so that your entire team can be protected. Anybody who's on your Wi-Fi, your identity is just anonymized. I like ExpressVPN because it keeps my family safe. I uh, highly recommend that you also protect your family, your privacy, your information by visiting expressvpn.com. If you use my URL, expressvpn.com slash Liz, then you will get three months free. Expressvpn.com slash Liz. Expressvpn.com slash Liz. Okay, and now let's jump back into this. The White House, in this whole hubbub of different White House, either either White House officials, employees being asked about this, um, the press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, was asked directly, listen, there's all this talk about the technical definition and whether this will be a recession or not, blah, blah, blah. What does the White House define as a recession? And what is exactly the White House's definition of a recession? Again, we don't, we don't, I'm not going to define it from here. I'm just going to leave it to the NBER as, as we have stated of how they define uh, okay, recession. Okay, declare one until they have declared one. I'm just saying that we're just not going to define it. We use the indicators that the NBER, uh, uh, the Nas National Bureau of Economic Research have, have used. We've mentioned that a few times. Oh, we are not going to define it. So not defining it in this situation is her way of redefining it. Because otherwise, she would just say, well, a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. If the GDP contracts for two quarters consecutively, that, that, that's a recession. That's what's commonly known as a recession. By saying that we, we're not going to define it, that is their way of redefining this word. So why is this? Why, why do the Democrats do this? Why does the left try to redefine words? Why do they try to obliterate the, the commonly held understanding of what a thing is and then tell us that the thing is something different than what we understand the thing to be. The reason that they do this is, is so important. This, this Conservatives, I cannot emphasize this enough, this should be our hill to die on. It doesn't matter if economics is your forte. If you, you don't have to have a degree in economics, you don't have to even fully understand um, the, con the economic concept behind a recession or behind inflation, but we should fight the culture war against the left redefining words because it, it not only hurts us in the short term if we let the left win here, right? Like it would allow Biden to, um, well, sweep under the rug the fact that he's largely responsible for the recession that we're facing. He's certainly responsible for the 9.1% inflation and the high gas prices. So if we don't challenge the left, it hurts us politically in the short term, but in the long term, it's much worse. In the long term, if we allow the left to take a word and say the definition of that word we are discounting and we require you to adhere to this new definition of a word that, that we will tell you what it is and you have no input on helping us create this new definition, then what does that make the left? It actually makes them the arbiter of truth because they are telling us that what we believed to be true the definition of a recession, for example, but you can use any number of this, the definition of healthcare, the definition of life, the definition of a fetus, the definition of man, the definition of woman, the definition of free speech versus the definition of violence, any number of things. Um, if we allow them to tell us that what we know to be true isn't true, but what we know isn't true is true, then they have become the ones who, who decide what's true and false. Now, um, what happens if they decide what's true and false and we have no input is they will obviously first twist everything just to serve their political agenda. But that's only short term. 
They will twist everything to serve their political agenda. And John Kerry is actually a perfect example of this. John Kerry, the climate czar that likes to fly around in his private jet. And funnily enough, the mainstream media doesn't notice this. They notice when Kylie Jenner takes a 17-minute uh, private jet ride from someplace in California to some other place in California. But John Kerry, when he flies his private jet into the World Economic Forum to, to lecture us all on climate change and the evils of fossil fuel and how we must all go back to pre-industrial revolution days where, you know, I don't know, we're in the coal mines or something. Um, John Kerry says that the way that you solve inflation is actually by more spending on climate change. We're making some progress. We are moving forward, but we're not making enough progress and we're not moving forward fast enough. I mean, people are scared partly because of what's happening with Ukraine, partly the, the gas situation in Europe, particularly uh, the inflation that we've all suffered. But on the other hand, the steps we need to take to deal with the climate crisis, most of them are, in fact, anti-inflationary. They will lower the prices of energy and they will create jobs as well as provide better health and security for countries. So hopefully we can turn this around and accelerate what we promised to do in Glasgow. What climate change policies are anti-inflationary? I'm, I'm not even asking that in a pithy way. Which, which policies that the left is prescribing or proposing that would, whatever, I'll accept their premise for a second, fix climate change, which policies are actually anti-inflationary policies? Because all of the policies that I can think of, um, not just divesting, but abolishing the use of fossil fuels that obviously increases energy prices, um, which has a terrible effect on inflation, um, banning air travel, banning gasoline-powered vehicles, um, increases gasoline prices if you if you if you stop if you stop fracking, if you stop drilling for oil, um, if you start relying on foreign nations like Russia or Saudi Arabia for the oil that you will inevitably have to use, even if you have transitioned to electric vehicles. The Green New Deal with Medicare for All and a universal basic income, all these policies that are supposedly tied to climate change, which John Kerry has espoused, has supported, is advocating for, which of these actually um, helps fight inflation? Which of these helps lower energy prices? Because I, 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 I kid you not, I cannot think of one not a single one, but th this is the thing. Just when you think this guy can't get any nuttier, I almost have to laugh listening to him because sometimes I just, I hear these clips and I think I cannot fathom having the audacity that these guys have to sit up there knowing that what they say is absolute baloney, knowing what they say is just a freaking lie and saying it anyway, saying the opposite of what is true. And this is a perfect example of when you redefine a word, the first thing that, that the left will do when they become this arbiter of truth, when they say we're the ones that tell you that your understanding of XYZ concept isn't real and our, our reimagined concept is real, when they become the arbiters of truth, the first thing they do is they twist it to fit their political agenda. John Kerry is a perfect example of that. Fauci is another example of this. He recently admitted that despite the devastation to our economy, to your life, to your livelihood, to your job, to your business, to our restaurants, to our community, to our schools, to our children, to mental health across the country, to cancer rates, to everything that I can think of, despite the widespread devastation because not of the virus, but because of the lockdowns, Fauci says that he wishes that he had pushed for harsher lockdowns. We know now, two and a half years later, that anywhere from 50 to 60% 
of the transmission occur from someone without symptoms, either someone who never will get symptoms or someone who is in the pre-symptomatic stage. Had we known that then, the insidious nature of spread in the community would have been much more of an alarm and there would have been much, much more stringent uh, restrictions in the sense of very, very heavy encouraging people to wear masks, physical distancing or what have you. Stringent restrictions. How's that for a phrase? Stringent restrictions, heavy, heavy encouragement of these of these different measures like social, physical distancing, he said. That's another word for lockdown. And this is what happens when you redefine science, when you redefine medicine, and that redefinition of those words equals your ideology, then the first thing that you do is you twist these definitions to serve your political agenda. And we're seeing this happen again. We're seeing this happen again. Before we get to that, I, I want to talk to you just for a second about Genucel. So I love Genucel plant stem cell therapy. I've used it all over my face, under my eyes, and it cleared up the dry flakiness and even reduced my forehead lines. Someone even asked if I had surgery or procedures done. No, 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 no. Just Genucel. Thank you. That is a testimonial from Samantha from Arcadia, California, raving about her transformative results. Genucel has sold over 1 million products to both women and men across this great country of ours. And everyone who tries it falls in love with it. They have these they have these amazing results. Best of all, you will have guaranteed results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. Now you can see the difference for yourself. Um, I have a special offer for you today, 65% off their most popular packages. If you go to genucel.com slash Liz, that's 65% off all customer favorites. Now I'm talking the classic under eye bags treatment and the, the under eye bags and puffiness treatment. If you visit my URL, it's genucel.com genucel.com slash Liz, and you enter my promo code Liz at checkout, you will get an extra 20% off. Order today, get their summer essential, the dark spot corrector, absolutely free. Go to genucel.com slash Liz, genucel.com slash Liz. Okay, so this sort of circles back to what I was saying at the beginning when we started talking about those medical students that walked out of their own white coat ceremony, the, 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 um, the onboarding for their medical school experience because the professor who was speaking had the audacity to be pro-life. Not the speech. The speech wasn't about abortion, just she held pro-life views and was open about them. So now the White House COVID response coordinator, his name is Dr. Ajish Jha, he was asked about monkeypox because the Biden administration in tandem with the World Health Organization, which remember is, is part of the UN, they're trying to make monkeypox a thing. They're trying to make this the next the next COVID. They're trying to, they're trying to make monkeypox cool in the in the epidemiological community. And they're tying this. It's basically an intersectional effort. Now, remember, intersectionality is this Marxist idea that um, one thing and another thing, as long as they're both left, ties together. So what I mean by that is the left right now, when they're talking about monkeypox, they also have to tie that into LGBTQ, their LGBTQ agenda. And Dr. Ajish Jha does that very thing. Very clear at this point uh, that the community most affected is the LGBTQ community. Um, this is one of the reasons why I said we've been deeply engaged with them, um, both to share information, also to learn more, make sure that, that everybody's communicating in a way that's both scientifically accurate uh, and respectful. Um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, it's really important that we do not use this moment to uh, propagate homophobic or transphobic uh, messaging. And, and I think it's really important that we stick to the science, stick to the evidence, and do it in a way that's respectful of people. So in, a, in another time and in another place that 
comment might be fine. It might be kind of a neutral comment, a bland comment, just sort of a, a nothing comment. Say, okay, you know, stick to the science, stick to the facts, but be respectful. Don't be homophobic. You and I might say, okay, sure. That's, that's how we act every day. Uh, we stick to the facts. We stick to the science. We're respectful and we're not homophobic. Like, great. Everyone gives a thumbs up here. However, the left has redefined the word homophobic. They have redefined the word transphobic. No longer does it mean an irrational fear of transgender or homosexuality. Now, if you do not actively embrace and celebrate and promote a homosexual lifestyle or transing children or transing adults, then you are considered to be homophobic or transphobic. And that is what the White House means. That is what Dr. Ajish Jha is talking about. And that is, it's extremely dangerous because the facts of the matter, the science that he said he embraces is not, is not reflected in the White House or the World Health Organization's messaging about monkeypox. And here, here's the facts that I'm talking about. 98% of cases of monkeypox that we're seeing around the world right now, and there's been 16,000 cases of monkeypox that have been identified by the World Health Organization in the past three months. 98% of these cases um, involved men who had had sex with other men and, and not in any kind of monogamous relationship typically. Typically, men who had sex with other men, multiple partners, right? So promiscuous lifestyle orgies, I don't know. I don't want to know the details but men who had sex with other men and multiple partners. In the space of this three-month time that the World Health Organization has been tracking monkeypox, um, there have been five deaths. Every single one of these deaths is a tragedy. I don't want to see anybody die, um, period. I don't want to see anybody die from a virus. I don't want to see them die when they're young. But five deaths worldwide in the last three months out of 16,000 um, known cases, that is a survival rate of 99.97%. That's just World Health Organization data, and which means that it could be underreported because the 16,000 cases, those are only the ones that the World Health Organization has traced. That doesn't include anybody who's gotten it that hasn't, um, I guess, reported it or hasn't. the World Health Organization hasn't tracked it. So 99.97% survival rate. Regardless of this fact, this, this scientific fact, the World Health Organization declared monkeypox to be a global public health emergency anyway. They said, oh, this is, this is, and they admit, by the way, in a cursory manner that the virus is being passed predominantly among gay men with multiple sex partners. But they also, they caveat that by assuring you that everyone is at risk, even though it's predominantly passed among gay men with multiple sex partners, everyone, including you, is at risk. Um, LOL, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. This, this is your clue. They're trying to manipulate you. They're trying to fall for it. Again, they are redefining words. They're redefining a public health emergency. They're redefining risk. They're redefining words in order to, well, twist the definition to serve their ideological agenda. And that is bad on the day-to-day -day basis for us. That's bad practically in the short term. But the long-term implications of this are what should really scare us. And why? Conservatives, this should be our hill to die on. Because if they become the arbiters of truth, they actually become authoritarians. They don't just twist things to fit their narrative. They don't just twist things to suit their political agenda. They actually use it to oppress us. They use it to dictate our lives. They use it to become authoritarians. They, they, and, and by the way, they're, they're very strategic about this. They, they pick, for example, the House of Representatives and Nancy Pelosi picked the definition of marriage. They picked the definition of marriage to try to deconstruct the actual definition of marriage and redefine it because Nancy Pelosi strategically knows that a headline that says Republicans vote against gay marriage, um, that she can easily twist that narrative. She can send out talking points um, claiming that Republicans don't like gay people, which isn't true. No Republican or conservative that I've met dislikes gay people or even has a problem 
um, with the idea of, of, of gay people being free to live with or love or be committed to someone of the same sex, if that's what they so choose, regardless of anybody's um, religious views on the matter, or even if, even if someone's religious views are contradicted by that lifestyle, from, from a purely governmental standpoint, no conservative I know wants that to be illegal. They want people to have the right to, to choose that lifestyle if they want, even, even, if, even if you don't agree with it. Nancy Pelosi picks that as a starting definition to redefine because she knows how difficult of a cultural battle it is, how easy it is to smear conservatives on television and in, on radio and in the print news and you know on, on every liberal podcast and cable news network. It's very easy to smear conservatives who want to push back on the definition of marriage because she's hoping we'll be too chicken because we don't want to face this backlash. But we can't. We can't be chicken because if, if we allow the left to change words arbitrarily, then think about the implications of this. It goes, it goes beyond marriage, although marriage between a man and a woman is the bedrock of our nation. It's the social institution on which our government institutions rely. Our government institutions, this, this limited government with enumerated powers that relies on individual liberty, relies on individuals having this support structure around them, a married mom and dad and children taken care of by a married mom and dad, and then an extended family that takes care of the nuclear family. Our government institutions rely on this. We can't be a government with, with limited powers that's not a welfare state if we destroy the nuclear family. So the implications of that in and of itself are far-reaching, but that's not, that's not all. If we allow the left to arbitrarily redefine words, then what does our constitution mean? What do the words in our Bill of Rights mean? What does the Declaration of Independence mean? What does the word rights even mean? What does liberty mean? What does it mean to support the American experiment if the left can simply take a word like America or experiment or freedom, liberty, justice, free speech, shall not be infringed and change that definition? Going even further out, zooming even further out than just our country, what is the definition of right and wrong? What does that even mean? If the left can change that, if they can arbitrarily twist the meaning of those words, then everything is nothing. We can't exist as a society if words don't have meaning. And if a class of elitists have decided that they are the arbiters of truth, and if we allow them to become the arbiters of truth, we have allowed them to become authoritarians. This is actually, by the way, what happens in a godless society. Because it, it, where, where people basically put themselves on a pedestal, where they idolize themselves um, instead of God, where they think that they are the top of the, 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 the pyramid, um, they're dis they disregard then objective truth. They disregard things that are ordained by God like first principles, things that just are, that are not a derivative of something else. This, this baseline acknowledgement, like a man is a man. And that the fact that a man is a man doesn't derive from two different concepts being put together. It's not A plus B equals C. A man is just a man. It's not a derivative of anything else. And that's a first principle. And that, that, that it's a natural right. Our natural rights are first principles, that we are endowed by our creator with the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to pursue property. And if you don't acknowledge the objective truth that there are natural rights ordained by God and nature, then everything means nothing. 
And those who tell you that they will then provide arbitrary definitions become the rulers over us. And this is what the left is, is pushing for as they, as they lose the battle on inflation, as they lose the economic battle, as they lose the cultural battle over transgender indoctrination, critical race theory in school, this is where they're pushing back. They are positioning themselves to be the arbiters of truth so that you and I have no choice but to adhere to their radical leftist ideology. Just something that we can all contemplate as we pay for $5 a gallon gas in our non-recession uh, contracting economy right ha- now that, remember, is not Joe Biden's fault, that it's, 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 probably, it's, probably, it's probably Donald Trump's fault or something like that. And uh, as we contemplate the idea that if the government, if John Kerry spends more of our money, that that will actually solve inflation. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Also, also, if you love my show, would you go over to Apple Podcasts and clip, click the subscribe button? And not only click the subscribe button, if you would give me a five-star rating and go to the little review box and tell me what your favorite episode has been or uh, what topic you want to hear about, I would greatly appreciate it. If you listen to the show or watch the show on YouTube versus Apple Podcasts, if you could subscribe to my YouTube channel and click that bell so that you're notified every time we drop new content, I would be eternally grateful for you. Um, If you love the show, please subscribe. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.